Welcome to Tech Chairs, a new podcast all about sport and technology. Because technology is the single biggest force shaping modern sport. But how did we get to this point? So in this first series, we'll try to answer that with the help of innovators and experts from all over the sports that we love so much. So whether you're a fan, work in the industry or are simply tech curious, this is the series for you. Hello from me, Rebecca Hopkins. And me, John Inverdale. Welcome to Tech Chairs, which, as you may have worked out, hopefully is an amusing play on deck chairs. Which you most definitely will not be finding on the kind of seagoing vessels we're going to talk about today. Multi-Olympic champion Sir Ben Ainsley is a global superstar of sailing, whether solo or as part of a huge team. And he's also team principal and CEO of INEOS Britannia and CEO of the Great Britain Sail GP team. And founder of the 1851 Trust, which the STA Group is very proud to support. So, Ben, we do risk covering similar ground, I think, with you as we did in our episode about Formula One. But the way your sport has evolved, that's kind of almost inevitable, isn't it? Well, hi, no, great to be with you. I mean, I, I grew up sailing in the Carrick Roads and off the Fal Estuary. Back then, you know, I learned to sail in an Optimus dinghy, which was, well, still is. It's, uh, you know, 10-foot uh, single-handed dinghy. Looks a little bit like a bathtub and probably has a top speed of about, more oh, I don't know, 10 knots or 12 miles an hour or something like that. So very, very slow but still a challenging boat to sail. And it's just mind-blowing to see how the sport has developed in, that, in those last 30 years. Can you pinpoint the specific areas where the growth has been really exponential? Well, really, in the sport, in the last 10 years, we've had this transformation to, to foiling technology that's come into, well, not just the, the high-level high professional side of the sport, but now we're seeing it trickle down to the grassroots and into, into kids sailing and also into the commercial elements of the marine industry. And, you know, foiling boats are not necessarily that new. You can think back to if anyone was fortunate enough to go on holiday to the Greek islands, you know, 30 years ago, they would have seen foiling hydro, hydrofoil ferries running around the place and many other usages of, of, of foils in, in the marine sector. But really in the last 10 years, the manufacturing capabilities and the HMI, the human machine interface, to actually operate these foils and therefore be able to fly racing boats or racing dinghies at the speeds that we now do, that's really where the transformation has come. And can you be a sailor these days and not have an almost comprehensive knowledge of the technology because the two are so intertwined? Well, yes and no. I mean, like in all these technical sports, the the, the level of detail that goes into the technology behind the, the HMI is is incredibly complex and you know far brighter people than myself or or other competitive sailors really are the brains behind that. But yes, you need to you not no longer is it just about being in the right patch of water or wind and, and thinking about what's going on in the water. We have to think about being out of the water. It's completely transformed, you know, how we how we challenge ourselves tactically, strategically on a race course. If, if you think about traditional boats, when you're going running away from the wind, as we call it, or going downwind, 
you'd traditionally be looking at the wind coming from behind you and what was going to change next. Now we're going three times the wind speed, so we we don't bother looking behind us anymore. We're st- we're always looking in front of us as to as to you know where the wind is that we're actually catching up. So it's really, like I say, brought a whole new level of thinking to the sport. And Ben, with that level of thinking, to what extent now is that thought? Well, you know, Staylers still have to be brilliant to compete at the top of their game versus, well, technology is making the difference or, you know, would they be as good even without the technology? That's a great question. You know, in 20 years' time, would we even need sailors to race on these boats? If you look at something like the America's Cup, could it be done by AI, for example? And what do you think? Well, yeah, possibly it could. Possibly it could. In terms of the actual functioning of the yacht, of the boat, probably it could. But we still need those traditional skills. There's still some of those that are required in terms of making sure the boat, I talked about the wind, well, the apparent wind changing and that changing our uh, strategic tactical approach. But you still you still need the sailor's eye to make sure you're in the right right patch of wind, whether you're going upwind or downwind, and to you know make sure that you're racing, you know, making the right tactical decisions against the opposition and, and also, you know, those nuances and that that feel, that innate feel that a sailor will have. I think that's very interesting. Can a machine actually ever be able to predict the wind as well as, as the human eye. I, I'm sure technology will develop and we'll find out in the years to come. And talking about that tech development, when you contested the America's Cup, and part of the reason for, for setting up the 1851 Trust was, was unearthing that mechanical, technical engineering talent and possibly finding there was a bit of a dearth. Talk us through where you had to go to unearth the talent that brought you the tech to make you as competitive as you were. Well, that's right. We started the the America's Cup team in 2014 and and very quickly realised there was a shortage of of engineers and particularly marine engineers in the UK. And we were having to go abroad to to bring in a a lot of the talent. And we wanted to do something. We wanted to really make a difference to the to the marine industry in the UK through the team. And we thought, what better way than to start a foundation, a trust that is trying to inspire those youngsters to come through by the STEM that really goes, those key STEM subjects that go in, of course, to to designing these America's Cup boats. And to answer the question, with the still still a long way to go there, we've we've we had a, a huge amount of success. We've reached out to over, to over um, 50,000 young students in, in the UK and uh, over half of the secondary schools in, in the UK picked up on our digital online platform. But we need to do more. We need. I, don't, I still think there's a, a, a huge shortage of, of engineers in the UK and that's um, that's something that we and, and you know many other sports, you mentioned Formula One, can do a great job in inspiring that next generation. And to what extent did you borrow from your friends at F1, either talent or ideas or thinking to shape how you created your craft? It's been fascinating to be partnered with Mercedes F1 as we have been now for the last two years of of, of this particular America's campaign that we're in. And really, it's very, very similar challenges. Okay, in Formula One, they're slightly more focused on the aerodynamics than we are in, in 
in sailing in the America's Cup, but uh, we also have a more of a hydrodynamic drag issue to deal with as well. The biggest difference really, I think, with Formula One is just the level of resource. It's, it's probably tenfold to what we traditionally would work with in an America's Cup team. And with that extra resource, of course, you're able to go into much finer detail on, on a lot of these key areas. So, like I say, there's uh, still a long way to go with this partnership, but we're finding a lot of potential there, particularly on the simulation. The, the, we touched on it earlier, but the computer simulation of uh, prediction tools for, for these boats, there's, there's a huge amount there. One of the great things that's always said about Formula One is that for all the money that's invested in it, there is a trickle down to the cars that you and I drive on the road in, from a safety perspective and this, that and the other. For the work that's being done for, you know, the multi, 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 multi-million pound vessels that you're involved with, for the guy who's got, you know, a little a little boat in the harbour down the road, is he or she seeing the benefit in some indirect way on or from the work that you're doing? Yes, uh, ab- absolutely. Uh, you know, when you look at, in particular, areas like sail design and the materials that we use for the the, the, the America's Cup, you know, they, they certainly will trickle down to the, you know, wider uh, marine industry from a yacht sailing perspective. I think where, where we've really seen the biggest sharing of, of, of IP, if you like, is in areas of more commercial marine industry. So industrial shipping, for example, a company that we set up, BAR Technologies, uh, alongside our America's Cup campaign, has been hugely involved with what we call Wind Wings technology and actually just going through the first prototypes as we speak. And these are very large-scale wings which will go on to bulk carriers and the like and help massively help the efficiency of these boats by you know, up to 30% by using the wind, of course, to reduce the, the emissions on these boats. So that's one area which we've seen. And another area we've seen is, as we talked about, the foil technology. So on passenger ferries, commuter vessels, incorporating foil technology to, again, reduce the drag of these boats and save on emissions, which is uh, obviously such a key area of focus at the moment. And in all the time you've been sailing and with all the innovations that you've seen, what was the one where you actually thought, do you know what, that is really going to make a huge difference to the results I get? Well, I mean, really, the, the, the foiling, like I said, the foiling has, has just transformed the sport. I guess in terms of the results, I mean, that, that what ultimately foiling is, 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 was the secret to our success in the 2013 America's Cup. I was, I was sailing then with Oracle Team USA and we had figured out how to foil on the downward legs, ourselves and, and the Kiwis who were racing us in the final of the America's Cup that year. But at Oracle, we figured out how to foil on the upward legs, which might sound quite obvious to your listeners now, but at the time, it certainly wasn't that obvious. And it took a lot of effort from the design team, the engineers, the boat builders working through the night to, to make the necessary changes to the yacht, and then ourselves as sailors to find the techniques to, to get this boat foiling on the upwind legs you know when you're going all of a sudden you're going 40 knots of boat speed into pretty much okay not directly into the wind at uh, you know 40 45 degrees angle to the wind that is just phenomenal and for all us all of us on that boat we were just completely literally blown away by the performance of the boat <laughs> 
And did you come up with that idea collectively or did somebody say, hang on, if we do this, we could do that? A bit of both, to be in all honesty. I mean, we obviously, as I said, we knew that we were able to get these boats foiling on the downwind legs and we had enough speed to get the boat to take off. And we, we thought, well, it must be possible on the upwind legs, but we weren't really sure structurally the boat could, could take those kind of loads and it wasn't really in our, our strategy. And I remember one, one day in, in practice and training, maybe six, six weeks out from the America's Cup, by accident, we ended up getting the boat up onto the foil upwind. And then all of a sudden, you know, everyone's going, stop, 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 we shouldn't be doing this, we're going to break the boat. Well, maybe what if we just keep going and let's see. And and slowly, slowly, we, we inked it out. And, you know, by the end of the competition, we were foiling not all of the time upwind, but uh, certainly more than 50% of the time upwind. And, you know, if you look at the performance gain from the beginning of that competition over a two-week period to the end, we would have improved our performance in in the upwind legs on that boat by over 25%, which in any sport, that you know, that's a phenomenal gain in performance. It sure is. When you are on board, is there yet to be designed, I don't know, a little gizmo or whatever it might be, that when you're actually competing or, or just recreationally even, you're thinking, I wish there was a something that could mean I would know how to do that. <laughs> is, is there something that's waiting that out there, somebody might be listening to this and think, I can invent that because I've kind of sensed where you're coming from? <laughs> well, the big deal for us with foiling boats is dealing with a big sea state because you can imagine foiling on flat water, which we try to do most of the time with these boats, is, is so easy. It's relatively easy. But when you start taking these boats out into an ocean swell, as some of these boats are now trying to do with a record like the Jules Verne record, which is a non-stop around the world sailing record, that suddenly becomes very, very difficult because, you know, as you know, as we all know, you go on a cross-channel ferry or across the Isle of Wight or whatever, you know, the sea state's very unpredictable and that makes it incredibly hard to get, you know, the, the optimum performance out of these boats when they're out at, on, on the ocean waves. So... We're certainly looking within the industry, we're working hard on it. But if anyone's got any smart ideas, it'd be fantastic. <laughs> no, what you just need is you need is a, a wand to quell the sea. That's what you need. That's right. Yeah. We just need a massive, a massive, uh, a massive ship to go out in front of us and flatten the waves and um, we'll be off. But I don't think that'd be too efficient. And probably less of a spectator sport, I suspect. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Listen, Ben, I, we did we did ask you to if you what your suggestion would be for the greatest technological invention or development of all time. But I, I, I kind of feel we probably know what you're going to say because foiling clearly has just transformed your sport. Yeah, it, it has. I mean, I, I and I know my peers feel so fortunate to... You know, my generation of sailor, I've been racing competitively now for 20, 25 years to have gone through this transition of displacement boats, as we call them, which are boats that you know don't lift up out of the water. I mean, they're still amazing to sail, incredibly powerful uh, yachts. And to come through and now be lifting up out of the water and be sailing around at three, four times the wind speed. Huge privilege to be a part of that uh, transformation and, you know, it's what makes sailing such an exciting sport. Fantastic. Then, listen, thank you so, so much for your time today. It really has been wonderful listening to you. Yeah, that's great. Thank you so much, Ben.
So sadly, few of us will ever get to drive a Formula One car or pilot the kind of boat we chatted about with Ben. But most of us can ride a bike. Maybe do ride a bike. But there are bikes and there are bikes. No sport has changed more in terms of its lifestyle impact over the past 30 years than cycling. And from feeling aggrieved if you spent 100 quid on a bike not so long ago, we're now heading into the thousands of pounds for something you take for a ride around the park. So Tech Chairs gets on its bike next time. And we do so in the company of someone who's been at the heart of it for a very, very long time. Chris Boardman. Don't forget, we'd love your vote for the greatest technological moment of all time as far as sports concerned. Contact us at techchairs at sportstechgroup.org or tweet us at techsportgroup using the hashtag sportstechgoat. See you next time with Chris Boardman in the saddle and us in our tech chairs. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode of Tech Chairs. We hope you found it informative thought-provoking, entertaining. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to stay up to date with all things sport tech, be sure to subscribe. You can follow us on Apple, Spotify and all good podcast channels. And if you have any feedback, suggestions or just want to say hello, contact us on Twitter at Sport Tech Group, LinkedIn, the STA Group or by email techchairs at sportstechgroup.org. Don't forget... If you're posting on social, our hashtags are techchairs and sportstechgoat.